The Athletic. Totally for Busho, European edition. Today, Foo Fighters as French fans kick off again. Champions League, Benzema visiting Sheriff. That's all he needs, more problems with law enforcement. While Milan have a must-win at the Wanda. Plus, Bayern beaten, the hottest teenager in Syria, and NBC NV. As the Premier League trousers yet more cheddar, what's the next move for Europe's leagues? All of that and more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Tuesday, 23rd of November, listeners. So good to have you with us today. Bring a little sanity uh, to what's going to be a packed Totally Football Show European edition. We have Alvaro Romeo here with us, looking pretty sharp, Alvaro, in that uh, Adidas tracksuit top. A jumper from the 70s. Nice. Like it. Uh, Raphael Honigstein's also here. Of course, looking sharp, as is Julian Laurent and James Horncastle in a hoodie. Because it's cold, eh, James? <laughs> Winter is coming. It is. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, I love that headline on Gazetta's front page today, which is Arriva l'Inter, which is essentially mm. Inter is coming. Inter um, is coming. So, yeah, nice. Yeah. Ooh. Did they mean it like that, do you think? Sure. I think they did, yeah. yeah? I, okay. I haven't watched Game of Thrones uh, in Italian, but I imagine that's that's what they say. Arriva l'inverno. Huh? I bet it's good. Only there, it wouldn't be called Game of Thrones. It would be called like La Guerra della Secessione più pazza del mondo or something like that. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it is Game of Swords. Uh, Game Tro- of Swords. Throne of Swords. A right. Throne of Swords. That's it. Yeah. All right, then. Anyway, uh, anyway, sorry, listen, that's not what you came here for. You came here to hear about the weekend in Europe and what's coming at midweek. Let's kick off then with some moments of the weekend with Paddy Power. Alvaro. The moment of the weekend has to be Xavi being back in La Liga. Barcelona won with him as a manager. Maybe we could see glimpses of the new Barcelona, but still, it was all down to an unfair penalty, I would say, mm-hmm. on Memphis that uh, the Dutchman uh, scored. And uh, yeah, it was great to have uh, a La Liga legend back. Let's see um, for how long the hype around Xavi remains. But uh, so far at the Camp Nou, it's a big one. OK, we'll hear more of your thoughts on that uh, derby win for Xavi Hernandez uh, shortly. But Jules, what was your moment of the weekend? It has to be, unfortunately, James, the scenes that we saw uh, at the Groupama Stadium in Lyon, between Lyon and Marseille, and the game being abandoned after four minutes uh, after a bottle thrown from the stands, hit Dimitri Payet on the on the head. It's not the first time this season. This is the best season we've had in a very long time in Liga in terms of football and and what the, the teams and the players are doing. And yet, off off the field or on the stands, it's been terrible. We will talk a bit more about it, of course, in the show. But yeah, unfortunately, that's what everybody will uh, keep in mind after the weekend in Liga. Indeed. All right, James and City. I mean, what? Well, I did enjoy watching Chiro Mobile be a referee. Did you see this? Where he put mm-hmm. on a referee's kit from Diodora to be the match official for a game between a Vatican eleven hmm. uh, and one that was for the uh, World Rom organization, one that protects rights for. The uh, Romani and other small uh, ethnic minorities. So, um, yeah, interesting to see him in that uh, in that outfit. I must say, vaguely reminiscent of uh, him playing for Dortmund in in yellow. Wondering <laughs> if he was more effective as a referee. Right. Clearly yeah. not, Raf, because the game was seven all. So mm. I think he maybe let let it flow too much. Mm. Looks like anything. the Vatican keeper didn't make too many saves. Uh, or wasn't very good with crosses, uh, etc. <laughs> They're going to need a miracle to turn that around in the second leg, I imagine. But, All uh, right. Yeah, uh, let's see. And Rafa, what about your moment of the weekend? Mm, we had many, many, many good ones. I think the moment of the weekend, though, for me was Vincenzo Grifo um, clashing uh, with Timothy Chandler, the you know the Freiburg player, Italian uh, international. Falling in the box, um, referees thinking about a penalty and Vincenzo Grifo gets up and says, no, ref, don't do it. It wasn't a foul. You never touched me. And he was sort of applauded off almost on the spot. And then Oliver Glasner, the Frankfurt coach, was very complimentary saying, this is what Freiburg stands for. This is also a mirror image of uh, their coach, Christian Streich, because he 
embodies those those values and i want to congratulate both him and and vincenzo for being such uh, good sportsmen uh, they still lost uh, to nil freiburg so but they were winners in in a, in a wider moral sense i'd like to think italian sporting values good to see them come yep. to the fore yep yeah. Magnificent. All right, lovely stuff. It is a heartwarming tale, that Rafa. But let's begin today with the disturbing scene Sunday night again in Ligue 1. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus be gamble aware.org. On voit cette image. Oh, ah, la bouteille. Le match est arrêté. Les joueurs rentrent au vestiaire. Là, il y a eu jet de projectiles et il y a surtout la santé en jeu de Dimitri Payet. Ligue 1 rocked Jules again Sunday night. This time it was Lyon Marseille suspended just four minutes in. Dimitri Payet struck on the side of the head with a full water bottle by the looks of it thrown by a Lyon fan. And the game then suspended. It's not the first time this has happened. Of course, just this season in October, Marseille's game at Nice also abandoned after Payet was the target of uh, missiles, which uh, some of which he then threw back. That game, of course, has been since replayed at a neutral venue. Jules, what's going to happen here? And why does everyone hate Marseille and Payet so much? Yeah, I don't know. It's not just Payet. It's uh, Rongier as well, who was hit by a bottle while he was warming up in a game away at Montpellier. Uh, I, I don't think it's just... It's, I don't think it's Marseille in particular. I think they were... Missiles thrown at other other teams in other stadiums, but, but not with the contact that we saw either from the Nice fans or the Lyon fans. This is a big issue, a big problem, which I think they can only sort out if they are tougher in their sanctions. And remember, after the Nice Marseille, we said how too soft we thought the sanctions were towards both 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 clubs, really, but especially towards the home side. And I, I fear, and I feel already, this is going to be the same with. With Lyon, this game should have been abandoned straight away and it should already be have been lost for Lyon, 3-0, uh, because they could not control their fans. Clearly, even if it was just one, like the President Olas has been banging on about since last night and that, that guy was arrested and put in custody and and etc. etc. This is this is I don't care if it's one or a thousand. The fact is you attacked an opposition player mm. during a football match and this is not allowed. If you throw someone on the on the referee, the game is stopped and you lose the game. This is exactly the same. Maybe you know as as worse, as bad as if it's a referee. So I don't know why they were talking for an hour and a half about restarting the game. Then the first news we had was the game is going to be restarted. And then once the Lyon players were out warming up again, then it was pretty clear that the Marseille players were not going to come out and they didn't want to restart. So then the game was abandoned. But it was an absolute mess from start to finish. Jules, is there a sudden increase in this in this kind of uh, problem? Or was it just unreported before? So we've always had those kind of, you know, you throw missiles, players who come uh, to take corners in front of you when you're the ultra, that kind of stuff. I don't think it was maybe as many as now. And certainly they were not, hitting the target like like it is the case now. Mm. Uh, remember when, when PSG went to the Velodrome, uh, Neymar was spelted out, but at least he was protected or not, certainly nothing touched him. As soon as you, you hit the player, whoever that is, it's, it's obviously a much bigger problem. Uh, and in the case of Payet, you can see the, the footage and say, oh, maybe he made the most of it. Maybe this, I don't know. I think you get scared. And certainly psychologically, you must be hurt enough that you don't want to go back out again anyway. So It's pretty it's, violent impact, Jules. Yeah, it is. And, and mm. so especially the fact that he doesn't expect it because he can't even mm. see it as he's putting the ball on the floor to take the corner. Um, some young fans have been saying that it was nothing and should have got up and, and, and played the corner. Uh, it's far too easy to say that. The problem as well, James, is that there's a, there's a structural issue because local authorities are a big part in... If you can, if you if you're allowed to, to restart the game or not, the thing is, if you're Jean-Michel Olas and you've been friend with the uh, the préfet of the Rhone or like the the head of the region, if you want, for 20 years, if you said to him the game has to be restarted because otherwise we're in danger here to lose this game, hmm. whereas so the local authorities will always go with their home with the home club, same with Nice, same with uh, anywhere else in the country, uh, and obviously have I think have an opposition with the league or the referee who says no no we can't restart because the player's safety is in danger here. And that's why this big problem that we had 
when they were talking about restarting or not restarting the game, uh, Lyon and Olas are saying that the referee changed his mind. First, he wanted to restart. And then because the Marseille players didn't want to go, he changed his mind. And we even had like a tweet from the, the prefecture, so like the, the region, let's say, ex- trying to explain and defending Olas. I mean, it was crazy. It was really ridiculous. The only good thing, I guess, is that Thierry Henry, who was on French television, was a, was a, had the masterclass of filling the air for the hour and a half when the game was interrupted with like amazing punchlines about pretty much everything, <laughs> the likes of, uh, are we in the Paris banlieue here? This is the kind of scenes that you see when you go to like really rough areas in the north of Paris or east of Paris, uh, when you're a kid and you play against Sarcelle or Garges. Or, and that's exactly what I was saying. And he, him and the, the Amazon Prime team, I have to say, were brilliant. When they're going to decide what to do about this one, Jules? So we already had a meeting at the league today uh, that I've put uh, the Groupama Stadium behind closed doors already as a precautionary um, sanction already. Mm-hmm. And then the discipline committee will meet up and I think in two or three weeks we probably will have uh, the sanctions and, and what they made. They will listen, they will interview both camps, Marseille and Lyon. And I just, I really hope that Lyon lose that game and that their game, uh, their, their ground is suspended or at least behind closed doors for a few games because I really think that being too soft is clearly the wrong direction. Now, they tried that. Okay, it was worth trying, I guess, maybe. Mm. But it's clearly not working. So now it's time to get tough. Okay. All right. Well, uh, while we're here, let's get uh, a bit of news about a game that did go ahead. And that's uh, Paris Saint-Germain's clash with Nantes. Nantes, of course, guided by uh, Kumbare, the man PSG fired when they were top of the table, if I recall correctly. And he, he gave them a bit of a game in, in this clash on Saturday, no? Not, not really. I mean, the first really? half was maybe one of the best uh, first half we've seen from PSG this season. Uh, Messi, Neymar and Mbappé played really, really well. They, they had plenty of chances. Lafon was very good in goal for Nantes, made a lot of saves. And Mbappé scored early. And then it was Messi played a bit closer to Mbappé and Neymar than he'd done in, uh, since the start of the season where he was too wide. And remember on the show, we said before that, that that didn't suit him. And this time he clearly had the instruction from Pochettino to be a bit more central. And that worked really well. They combined so well, the three of them, more than any other time in the season so far. Then they, they fell asleep a little bit in the second half. Kelo Navas got sent off for a crazy challenge outside of his box, uh, like a Schumacher almost type of, of challenge on, on Ludovic Blas. And then at 10 against 11, it was a different game and no one took, took, took one of the chances really well. It was 1-1 and then you're right, it got a bit... Uh, stressy for PSG before mm. before Messi uh, Messi stepped up and right. created the own goal and then scored his first goal in Liga. À l'entrée de la surface de réparation, Lionel Messi avec son pied gauche. Et voilà! Lionel Messi, 30 novembre 2021. His first Ligue 1 goal in his sixth appearance, and, yeah. and uh, Pochettino's last uh, on the bench from what I read. A historic, <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah. After 21 uh, shots, Messi took 21, 21 shots. shots. Yeah. The end of November. This is crazy. He did the woodwork. Nah, he hasn't played that many games. Come on. I mean, he scored three in the Champions League, though. Yeah, thank you, Alvaro. For yeah, but that competition doesn't matter. It's, it's harder. Uh, it's harder in the league. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a it, it's a nice little boost for Paris Saint Germain. That victory it keeps them 11 points clear at the top of Liga, ahead of their key clash in the Champions League, which sees them on Wednesday travelling to the Etihad to take on Man City, who they beat in the reverse fixture at the Parc des Princes 2-0 with Messi also on the score sheet that that night. But uh, Man City, of course, have been in terrific form since then, beating uh, Bruges home and away 5-0 and then 4-1. Jules, how concerned are you for Les Parisiens? No, I am quite concerned, although yeah. uh, Verratti was back as well at the weekend. Marquinhos didn't play the game, but we'll be back for... For Tuesday night, Paredes was back as well, and and it was very important to have Verratti and Paredes back simply because that means Messi and Neymar can play higher up on the pitch because they finally someone have someone behind them who can pass the ball forward, which I think already your block is 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 higher up on the pitch, which is always good against City, especially to beat their press. So I expect Paredes and Verratti to start that game probably with with Gay in midfield, to have also a lot of work ethic and and legs and energy and all of that and and press. But then I, 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 I'm hoping that the quality technically of Paredes and Verratti in midfield can help them against City to, to get the ball out and back to, and, and, and up to, to Neymar, Messi and Mbappe and sort of play a quick uh, transition forward to try to beat the City press. All of that which will all be key in the games. But I have to say City look 
so good at the moment um, that it's a lot of hard work to do for PSG if they want to get something out of that game. Mm. Should be a cracking match that anyway on Wednesday. Just one of the delights coming up midweek. So next up, indeed, let's uh, pick out one or two more of the midweek matches that we're really looking forward to seeing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Champions League, match day five, Tuesday and Wednesday. Four teams already through. Ajax, Bayern Munich, Juventus and Liverpool who have already sealed their first place in the group. Another 13 teams could join them in what is the penultimate set of group fixtures. What are the key games that you're most looking forward to this time? Hey, Jules. Well, it has to be the City-PSG game, James. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. We've done that one. Have another one. Yeah, but still, I just wanted to finish on that. I think even without the brain for City, I think it's a fascinating game to to watch, to to Mm. take part on, to commentate on, uh, like we will have to on on the goal show. Uh, It's a big game for PSG because, you know, they want to finish top of their group. I feel also it's a big game for Guardiola because it's, it's, they can put a real statement down. I think if, there's, if they thrash Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, if they uh, can stop Mbappe, who's been on fire for the last two months, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Messi now, after scoring his first league and goal, getting back to full fitness, same with Neymar. So I think for both clubs and both managers, it's very important. And of course, it's Pochettino in Manchester. So with all <laughs> the rumours around <laughs> him, hey. not sure in what kind of state... It would be mentally uh, mm. for that game. But I think it's going to be pretty tasty. Yeah. Keep an eye on how many suitcases he takes with him for this trip. because uh, Right. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, his family and his wife and the children are still in London. So right. I suspect they would be in Manchester to watch the game. So they can either bring him more clothes or take some of his stuff back. You know, a lot of things can happen. How did he survive in Paris, Jules? It sounds so hard to live there. You know, it's... I know, uh, he's not happy. It's, mm. it's incredible. It's too nice. You, 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 you scotched for us last week. Uh, you rubbished the rumours about Zinedine Zidane going to Old Trafford, Jules. Yeah. Would you, are you prepared to do the same for Pochettino? I would be far more optimistic for Pochettino simply because he, he wants to manage Manchester United one day. I think he would wait for the, 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 the summer and go for next season. I think he would go now. I think he wants to go now. I think he knows that this could be difficult with PSG. Well, certainly not difficult in the sense that if he says to PSG, I'm not happy here, I want to leave, and this is a big opportunity for me, the one I've been waiting for for a long time, um, I think then PSG would really consider it. They were not happy with the recent interviews that he gave in L'Equipe and in The Guardian and other newspapers in, in this country, like he always does. When he comes back to play, either when he goes to Spain and he does all those interviews for all the newspapers, all the radios and TV in the world in Spain, and then does the same uh, you know, against an English club, there was a lot of weird things that he said in those interviews, like, you know, my project is not the PhD project. For them, it's just winning. Me, I've got a project. My friend, you're, you're coaching a team. Surely your project... <laughs> is to make that team win. I don't care what you want. Uh, you know, it's, it's surely, I would hope, as a manager, that you want to win. Mm. So I think at the club, there was quite a lot of... Um, Poch uh, is becoming the Argentine guy. It's happening. Surprise. Oh, uh, no. With the Rosario guy. Uh, that's how I'm calling him now. <laughs> <laughs> but Jules, doesn't it, wouldn't it strike you as strange? I mean, I don't doubt anything that you've just said, but, all right, PSG... Uh, it's it's what the tenth anniversary of the Qataris coming in big year for them uh, World Cup coming up uh, this time next year um, it's it's maybe the only year when a PSG coach will will have Mbappe Neymar and Messi all together because we don't know what's going to happen with Mbappe at the end of the season mm. and someone would would walk out on that to go and coach Man United I at know. the moment. I think the best one was the, the interview in The Guardian where he says, well, we didn't really want PSG. You know, we didn't want that kind of project. Again, the project. Um, you know, but we thought we like a challenge. So, oh, let's go. 
I'm like, what? Hang on, hang on. You can't just take a club because you like a challenge and you think, ah, oh, we've got nothing else. Why not? I mean, mm. I, I, I was baffled and I think a lot of people at the club were baffled by those interviews. Um, I, I agree with you, James, but if he wants to go to United now and he's, he has to leave and he wants to move and the two clubs can find an agreement, I really think he can go. Certainly, all what we've been told and I think uh, Poch Entourage has been pretty good to, to tip anybody in the world of media in England because we all have the same information. So there, there, there's a lot of truth in that when we all being briefed the same thing, you know. So, mm. it, it wouldn't be shocking for PSG. They will have a plan B, I guess. The plan B is in Zidane. Zidane. And then I guess Zidane will have to decide if he wants to go for the PSG job, which he's keen on, or if he wants to wait for the national team job to come to come to become available, which will be maybe in a year time after Qatar or at the latest after Germany 2024. But so Jules, someone from Marseille coaching Paris Saint-Germain. How how can you He was only he was only he never played for them, never manages them. <laughs> That's me trying to <laughs> convince myself. He wants the job. So I don't know. If uh, if Poch was to go to Man United, he might not have a Champions League to play in, of course, this season because they're not yet confirmed. Uh, sitting level with Villarreal on top of their group, but a huge match uh, this midweek coming up when they travel to the Ceramica. And Atalanta poised behind those leading uh, two teams. Atalanta two points back and travelling to young boys this week. That Villarreal-Man United game, that, that's one of the key fixtures, surely. Yeah, that's a big game for both. Uh, basically, I think that uh, both teams, they, they know that winning, they are pretty much in uh, the next round. And uh, for Villarreal, the big uh, question will be how they are going to score goals against Manchester United, considering that in La Liga they are struggling to score in so many goals. Gerard Moreno doesn't seem to be back for the game, but at the same time, they are playing against Manchester United. I think that in England, only Norwich City and Leicester City have conceded more goals than Manchester United this season in all competitions. So... I think that this game is going to see probably plenty of goals. Villarreal trying to control the game a little bit. And uh, I think that this is going to be a nail-beating one. And Atalanta can capitalize from this a lot. Mm. Because whoever loses this game, will Atalanta, they are playing against young boys and they have to do the job there. All right, Villarreal without Gerard Moreno, no Danjuma we hear as well. Is Gronveld at least fit though, hopefully, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, uh, alter, his alter ego is not fit either, James. So oh, both of no them, way. Danjuma and Gronveld, are out. Okay. No, or, or they are doubtful. Let me say that well. They are doubtful. It's still to be seen. But okay. in the weekend, Danjuma didn't play. Okay, well, of course, Villarreal were the more impressive of the two sides when they clashed at Old Trafford. However, it was... United, who got the win, or at least Cristiano Ronaldo did with that late goal. He has scored five of United's eight group stage goals. Take his goals away, United would have just two points. But of course, he plays for them, so it's natural that they count them. Uh, very good. James, meantime, away in Group B, where Liverpool are leading and Porto in second place, just behind them, you've got Atletico Madrid and then Milan, bottom of the group, needing a bit of a miracle, needing essentially to do... And Atalanta, who, who who managed to qualify after only having one point after four rounds of group action. All right, wh what do you think? Are Milan heading to Atletico uh, this week? Can they finally find some form in the in the uh, in, in in the Champions League? Well, I think their last performance um, before the international break, um, well, in fact, the double header against Porto was actually pretty disappointing uh, for, from from their point of view because even though they went behind and weathered the storm at Anfield, and Mike Magnan made that penalty save, and then they were 2-1 up at half-time, uh, they felt they played well in that game, and they certainly felt they played well against Atletico um, for the first half an hour when it was 11 v 11, and then uh, the referee happened, decided to ruin the game, um, sending off uh, Frank Kessie very harshly, and then uh, Milan defended stoutly, played very well, um, given that uh, Diego Simeone, what, threw on uh, about 300 or 400 million euro worth of talent and then only kind of came unstuck when the penalty the, the referee decided to give a non-existent penalty mm. uh, in in what the 97th minute so got to let that go I then, think, James yeah, I can't I can't um, but I, I think the tricky thing is going into this game is that uh, Tomori who's one of their best center backs um, should have been in the England squad uh, of the international break. He's not fit by the looks of it, or, or he missed the game against Fiorentina, their first defeat in the league this season mm. um, with, a, with a hip injury. Ante Rebic, um, who I think is one of their kind of 
underrated players also out. Um, Zlatan didn't play in this game in the reverse fixture. It's likely he will, or maybe Giroud will. will right. uh, and he is in form. He got a brace and, and a fine one indeed away in Florence in that incredible 4-3 on Saturday. Yeah, became the oldest player in the history of Serie A to score uh, a brace, um, even surpassing uh, Totti, who was 39 uh, when he did that. Um, Milan created a lot of chances against Fiorentina, but they also created a lot of chances for Fiorentina um, and made a lot of mistakes and kind of sabotaged themselves. Um, so if they, would do, if they do that again against Atletico, they will go out. However, if they win, they will go level on points with them at f- on four points. Mm. And then you look at Liverpool playing Porto, you'd expect Liverpool, even a, maybe a, uh, a weakened Liverpool team, uh, given their history against Porto, to still, I don't know, put five goals past them. No disrespect to Porto, who make it tough for everybody else who's not called Liverpool. Maybe, maybe there, there is a slim glimmer of hope, James. So let's, let's see. All right. Milan will finish off with Liverpool at San Siro, hoping, of course, by then that uh, Jurgen Klopp has his attention elsewhere. Uh, Alvaro, uh, Atletico coming into this game with a bunch of players missing. Nokia and Trippier's out, Jao Felix and Felipe and uh, Antoine Griezmann are suspended too. Yeah, uh, I believe, James, that Antoine Griezmann has been yeah. cleared at the end. Oh, is he? So he, will be, mm. yeah, he was suspended for two games, you're right. But, right. but at the end, uh, UEFA just removed one of the suspension mm. games. So he'll be ready for these games, fortunately for uh, for Atletico, because they, they need Antoine Griezmann. Because Joao Felix, as you will say, will probably not feature. And I think that Atletico de Madrid uh, in Europe, they have been far from uh, dominant in this Champions League. This time they will have to show the best, uh, the best they can because otherwise they are going to be in big trouble. They know that if they win, uh, they are very close to qualifying. But at the same time, as I said before, in the Champions League, uh, they know what it is to go out or exit uh, early in the competition, as they did in 2017. And uh, they have to make sure that they keep the solid defense that they had uh, in the weekend against Osasuna. And at the same time, that they started scoring goals because the other day, only Felipe in the 86th minute, uh, in a corner kick, was able to score. So it's going to be a tricky one for Atletico de Madrid. I am expecting them to be a bit more approaching and daring than they were in the last game against Osasuna. Okay. Let's have a quick word about Benfica Barcelona, which looks pretty important as well. Of course, Bayern Munich leading that particular group. But Barcelona are now second with Benfica two points behind them. Benfica did beat Barcelona 3-0 in Portugal. That's their only win of the group stage so far. And there's so many changes since then, not least with Xavi coming in for Barcelona, taking command of the team, dropping that knowledge bomb at his unveiling. We believe that the best way to win is by playing well. (laughs) So... That, the master reveals. Yep. The Dutch guy would never have said that. <laughs> I never have thought of that. So you were saying before, not too many signs of that in his debut uh, on Saturday against Espanyol? Sometimes, yeah. I think that there, there were some phases of the game that Xavi would have been proud of. Like, for example, uh, how quick sometimes they recover the ball next to the opponent's box. Uh, the fact that the wingers were wide open trying to dribble past. Uh, and uh, one thing that... Uh, I knew that Xavi was going to do, but I was happy to confirm was that Xavi was going to be more loyal to the style than to the type of players he's got, in the sense that he wanted to play with wingers, and he used three wingers from the academy that last year he well, we didn't know about them, just mm. because he wanted to make sure that the team played uh, on the wings, uh, players uh, dribble past, uh, uh, fullbacks overlap, so that was nice to see, but then... Uh, the same recurrent problems of Barcelona repeated themselves. Uh, for example, Raúl de Tomás had a, a couple of good chances that he, he pretty much created uh, himself. Uh, then there was uh, another big chance for Espanyol. Uh, so I think that uh, they ended up winning with the penalty that I said before. It was very dubious on Memphis. And uh, for this game, Barcelona knows what the formula is about. If they win, they are qualified. But Mm -hmm. Benfica must also get at least a point. So it's going to be quite fight. Um, Benfica is a very experienced team. They know how to do it in these games. It's the same for them that Lucas Verissimo, probably their best centre-back, is out uh, for the rest of the year. And for Barcelona, it's going to be the same story with a new manager. They've got Agüero, who is out. And we Mm. have heard this weekend that there is a chance that he has to retire. Ansu Fati is out. Dembélé is out. And they will have to score goals without their best strikers. Only Memphis is there. And they will have to fight for every inch, for every meter. And I'm telling you this again, because I said that I think that two weeks ago, five teams in La Liga have 
have scored more goals than Barcelona. This is not normal for a team like mm. Barcelona. Normally Barcelona is stopping the scoring list in La Liga altogether with Real Madrid. So this is what the team is about now. If they want to win a game, they have to score one goal and then fight so much to keep the lead. At the minute, it's been very difficult for Barcelona, and they are hoping that they will recover some important games ASAP. But unfortunately, against Benfica, the big players, the big uh, injured players, are not coming back. All right. They lost the uh, reverse fixture, as I mentioned, 3 0 uh, to Benfica. Were the Portuguese side to triumph in this one, they'd move ahead of Barcelona into the other qualifying spot behind Bayern. Barcelona would then be a point behind with Bayern to come on the final group stage game, although Bayern in the final group stage game when they're qualified, I mean, they usually let people win anyway. We'll see, but a big game this midweek. Rafa, meantime, what what about you? What are you looking forward to seeing? It's Sporting Dortmund, James. Uh, mm-hmm. Dortmund thought that they had it kind of uh, soon up after their good start, but now after those two defeats against Ajax, they're really up against it. They're at home. A draw might technically be enough, but they could still get into huge problems if they don't win. So it's a, it's a huge game for them. The pressure is, is very much on Marco Rosa. Yes, they had a good result against Stuttgart in midweek, but you don't want to go into uh, you know that big game against Bayern on the back of your Champions League qualification still being unsure on match day six. So absolutely enormous game for them. OK, level on points currently, Sporting and Dortmund, with Ajax having already sailed through. So these two teams scrapping for the other qualifying spot. And beyond this, the upcoming game with Bayern, uh, the interesting thing there is that Dortmund are back to being just one point behind the Bavarians at the top of the Bundesliga after Bayern got defeated this weekend by Augsburg 2-1. It's their third defeat of the season in all competitions, Rafa. Uh, just another of those things, or, or is there something else going on? I mean, the game... Uh... Augsburg were good. Bayern were, by their standards, quite poor. And, of course, that, again, fed into the discussion about Kimmich not being there. Usually you'd say, OK, one or two players not being there is not, it's not a big deal. But Josue Kimmich was, was not there. And uh, his deputy on the night, Master Sabitz, had a very poor game and was called out by Julian Nagelsmann for having a poor game. In a, in a nice, constructive sense, but nevertheless. And that has fed into a discussion about what should be done with players like Kimmich who miss games because they're not being vaccinated. Mm, We'll touch on that a little bit later on. Interesting. We should also flag up Group G, which is another of those ones where all four teams can qualify. They're separated by only four points. That's uh, Rebel Salzburg Lille, who had the win last time away at Sevilla, who were bottom of the group. Lille currently tied with Wolfsburg on five points, two points behind the leaders uh, Salzburg. And uh, Sevilla in a bit of trouble there at the bottom of the group after that shock defeat to Lille. Uh, Jules, uh, this is another one that you've got ringed in red. Their, their clash with Wolfsburg, Sevilla Wolfsburg, are coming up. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating group, James, where everybody can still qualify, where those teams have sort of different forms. Sevilla just about managed to draw against Alaves at the weekend. They were not great. Salzburg, on the other hand, drew. Uh, well, the first time they lost points at home in like the whole of the season or something like that. Lille haven't been great either and, and only drew against Monaco on Friday night despite having a two-goal lead because Jonathan David is in great form. And, and Wolfsburg could not win this weekend. So we've got four teams who haven't won this weekend at all. They all drew and yet they're facing maybe the biggest game of the season so far if they want to continue in the Champions League. So I think a lot of pressure, a lot of tension and I think two games that is really hard to, to call because all the four teams in that group Sevilla, including, even at home, have have been a bit hit and miss. So Mm. it'd be quite interesting to see um, what happens in this game. Sevilla, the only team in the group yet to win a Champions League match uh, this season. They drew, as you mentioned, with Alaves at at the weekend. But they're still third in the Liga standings. Only two points off the top of the table. Of course, their plans might be a bit disrupted now that Julian Lopetegui is also uh, leaving to take over at Old Trafford in a job show with Eric Ten Hag and... uh, (laughs) And, and Pochettino. Pochettino and Zidane. And Zidane. You know who Lopetegui's agent is, yeah? Georges. Georges, Uncle Georges. So you can just imagine that the phone just going, hey, if you want Cristiano happy. Yeah. If anyone has departed in the middle of the season or in the middle of something big, it's Julian Lopetegui. Right, yeah. Well, maybe he's learned his lesson after the disastrous outcome of that when he, uh, when he announced his intention to leave Spain on the eve of the World Cup got booted out by them anyway, and then uh, flopped rather dreadfully at Real Madrid. Uh, Very good. All right, well, all of that's coming up midweek. All of that and more, I should say. Uh, And, of course, you can keep up with all of it 
on the Champions League Goal Show on BT Sport if you have access to such a thing. Next up, more of the big developments and the wide world of football. It's the Paddy Power Supporters Support Line and we're speaking to Spurs fan Mark. Yeah, it's Harry Kane. He's absolutely banging him in for England, but then he's playing for us and, well, there won't be four goals a game. Yeah, true, but he also won't be playing against countries whose entire population wouldn't fill the stadium. Being a football fan isn't always rewarding, but if it's rewards you're after, then try Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer. Get money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pretty much online bet builder bets only. Min odds one to five per leg. Min four plus legs. Max free bet £10 per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Begambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Part three, away from the Champions League, last few days have brought news that the Premier League have uh, done a new US TV deal and far from it continuing a slew down in the value of TV rights, instead it's brought another ka windfall for English clubs. American broadcaster NBC agreeing a new six-year agreement which doubles the previous value to $2 billion. Over the course of that contract, it's about a third of a billion per year. To put that in context, La Liga's new US deal with ESPN is about 120 million, so about a third of that. Serie A gets less than 50 million a season from CBS. The Bundesliga gets less than that, 25 million. Premier League, I repeat, now trousering 330 million a year. Okay, two key questions. First of all, NBC, do they have any work going? And secondly, with this boosting each Premier League club budget and the likes of Burnley getting richer than Bayern, how worried are the other European leagues at this point? Rafa? Well, Bayern are not so worried about Burnley, but it's the, the smaller teams who really will, will have a problem. But in a way, it's nothing new. I mean, the Bundesliga internationally has only ever had about a tenth of what the Premier League makes. So the relations seem to be just the same if you look at the US as a singular market, more or less. And what they've done in the past is said, okay, we can't change it. We don't want to have the kind of investment, the kind of ownership structure that might boost the league very quickly um, and gain us more of an international footprint. But we can use the Premier League's money for ourselves by selling them lots of players and making lots of money that way. And that's something that they've done quite unashamedly and I think that will continue. Of course, you want the best players to stick around, but the Bundesliga, certainly the clubs below Bayern and Dortmund, they're very realistic of where they stand in the food chain. And the UK then becomes a very lucrative place to to sell one or two players a year and then finance yourself for, for another two years going forward. So it's not all doom and gloom as far as Germany is concerned. I think they they're realistic about the situation. And they're determined to to make the most of it. And for Bayern and Dortmund, you know, things don't really change because they kind of exist in their own little niche. Um, Bayern in their own and then below that Dortmund, where they can still keep players and don't have to worry that Burnley will come and swoop um, in for Oling Haaland or, or Bellingham or Serge Gnabry. Uh, but of course, um, it doesn't help the Bundesliga in its quest to have more international recognition to see those figures being thrown back at them. It's quite a stark reality. Are other clubs, are other leagues as sanguine about the, the imbalance financially as they are in Germany, Alvaro? I think so. La Liga institutionally cares about this and I believe that they are doing huge efforts to promote and to sell La Liga brand everywhere around the world. Even in London they have an office and they are trying hard to, to push La Liga content, and uh, they're doing a fine job, I believe. And then uh, the Superliga is the perfect example of that. Atletico mm. de Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they knew that uh, the Premier League had the most money, and they wanted to create a different league in which uh, they could actually get as much money as the best Premier League clubs. So yes, they do care about that. Uh, but this is, any, this is nothing new. I think that what happened in 2015, when the Premier League signed a very lucrative uh, contract with uh, the international rights and all that, that changed the whole um, the whole game for La Liga and for everyone else. In fact, you were uh, breaking down some numbers of La Liga, but let me do just a little nuance there. The Premier League is getting two billion pounds for six years, and La Liga is getting one point four million dollars 
1.4 billion dollars, sorry, for eight years. So the difference is quite big. The Premier League is getting mm. much more than La Liga in the United States. Uh, ESPN is the rate holder in um, in the United States. But yeah, I think that the Premier League has the upper hand and uh, Some of the reasons are, I believe that English is an international language, Spanish is not that much, let alone German, I don't know about Italian, neither. Uh, I think that the Premier League does very well the packaging, everything around the Premier League is very well exported and very well done, and the TV broadcasts are excellent as well. Domestically, I think that in, in England, uh, people are more ready to pay for a cable subscription than in Spain too, that doesn't help. And... England is attracting a lot of foreign investment. Spain, Spain is not attracting so much. And uh, my country has been in a context of a financial crisis since 2008. So many local investors uh, own La Liga clubs, but they don't have as much money as, for example, the poorly owners. So all these together uh, make a difficult situation for some La Liga clubs in comparison to the Premier League clubs. Do you think that for the likes of whether Juventus or Real Madrid or Barcelona, this kind of exacerbation, this kind of exaggeration of the chasm between them and the Premier League sides makes a return to Super League more or less likely, given that Premier League sides, I imagine, might be less tempted by it with, with the increase of deals like this. Well, Jens, I'm sure that he, he can talk about Juventus, but Real Madrid and Barcelona, they still believe that the Superliga is still alive. I mean, obviously no one talks about it every day now, but Real Madrid and Barcelona, they never... Uh, say that they don't want to do it. The, it's uh, still uh, a dream for them to, to do the Superliga. And probably Atletico de Madrid, uh, ultimately, would like to get on board if Barcelona and Real Madrid get on board whatever private competition there is in the future. I'm, I'm sure they would, but what, what realistic prospect do you think there would be of luring Premier League sides away from uh, a, a kind of environment like this? James? A better competition than the one that UEFA is proposing at the moment, because that is the one, yeah, that is the clash Uh, really, as much as all these governments have apparently signed up to say, ah, oh, we are anti-Super League. The reality is that the, the court case in Spain is not about the Super League whatsoever. It's about UEFA's position in the market and whether they have a monopoly or not and whether you can be a regulator and be a promoter and holder of competitions at the same time. Um, so a Super League would not necessarily be competition to domestic leagues It'd be competition to the Champions League and UEFA's competitions. Um, so, so there's that. However, that said, if you look at um, why the Super League was launched, why it came about when it did, you know, a lot of people would say oh, it, was a, it was a consequence of COVID uh, and the impact that the pandemic has had on, on the football industry, exposing all its weaknesses, particularly in mainland Europe. But really it's about the likes of Spain, France, generally Italy, fearing that they're next up when it comes to being Scotland, Portugal, um, Switzerland, and these secondary tertiary football leagues, um, which have gradually lost relevance and lost competitiveness and compared revenue. with the Premier League. Because the Premier League mm -hmm. right now is a Super League. It was, it was created as a Super League. It broke away from, from the Football League. Um, and it has established itself through brilliant commercial management as the preeminent league in world football, without a doubt. Um, so, um, you know, you tip your hat to the people who have, have been running it for, for a long, long time. Um, but the, the fundamental thing, like in business, the aim is always to kill the competition. In sport, you need competition. Um, and I wonder how... Uh, how much of a consideration it is on the Premier, in the Premier League um, about how much do we care about what's going on in Spain, Germany, France and Italy? Because surely over the next... Well, it's not. Raph is shaking his head and it's not a consideration. But I think if for the Champions League to continue to be an engaging and relevant competition, um, it needs these other clubs um, to be good, to be able to retain their players. And, not, and it's a problem when you go on Twitter and, and you hit and you see La Liga is a farmer's league, Liga is a farmer's league, Bundesliga is a farmer's league, because that should tell you that there's something fundamentally wrong with the European football landscape or the, yeah, as it is presently, presently structured, I think. Yeah, but there is also uh, the, an English mentality in all that, because La Liga uh, was the best league in the world nine or ten years ago. In my opinion, I'm... It was, the facts were there 
I mean, in 2012, uh, there was an all-Spanish uh, final in the Europa League. Uh, Sevilla has won the Europa League so many years. Um, Barcelona, Atletico, Real Madrid, they have reached the Champions League final. And in 2019, England does that and automatically start hearing in this country that the Premier League is the best league in the world. In Spain, we weren't saying that so much. I think that in England, there is that mentality that as soon as the good English teams are doing very well, you say that. And it's true, the Premier League is the best league in the world right now. I have no doubt about that. But there are some repercussions, and I'll be very quickly, that we, we can already see, but they will accentuate uh, right now with this Premier League uh, broadcast right. Number one, the best players are going to be a property of the Premier League clubs, probably. And if anything, they will be on loan on some other La Liga, Liga and Bundesliga teams. I think that the best players are going to be property of these teams. And also, it will be very difficult for a mid-size or for a Europa League level Spanish team, I'm talking about Spain now, to have a successful cycle because as, as soon as two or three players of them stand out, they're going to be, be automatically bought. So in my opinion, there is a way to tackle that. But La Liga has to work on this very, very, very well. They have to remove the release closes because many Good players in La Liga, they've got a ridiculous release clause. And any Premier League club can pay for that. So they have to make sure that instead of putting a price tag on a player, they negotiate with the clubs and they put a price tag according to how much money the buyer can have. And I think that this is going to be key for La Liga to do as Germany does and to cash as much money they, as they can for the, the sale of their players. Jules, speaking of off-field legal issues and that kind of thing, hey, what's the latest on that a Paris Saint-Germain assault on a uh, Kira Hamri affair. I see that Eric Abidal is now split with his wife over, over his involvement in this. That's right, James. She's uh, officially announced that she was divorcing him for having a, an affair with, with Kira Hamraoui. Uh, Ayat Abidal, with whom he's got five children. Um, so it's just added another layer to this incredible crazy story no suggestion of, that he was behind or indeed that that, that his, his wife was behind this but just that coincidentally because yeah because Hamaroy had had rung up Eric Abidal after the incident to ask whether there might possibly be a connection that yeah, investigators that's right. yeah then and two years ago uh, when the affair was already going on and I think Hiram Rawi got a bit scared by uh, some of the let's say entourage of Ayat Abidal uh, and this is, I think, where the, 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 the start and the heart of the story is. Amrawi felt a bit threatened, I think, and she, she asked Aminata Diallo, uh, who was then uh, not yet a teammate of hers, uh, but because she was from the Lyon area, like the Abidals, uh, to see if she had a friend that maybe could sort this whole thing out. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So already two years ago, we've had an incident involving Abidal, his wife, Kiram Rawi, and some sort of gangsters trying to sort things out. And they clearly so, thought... Sort what out, exactly? Well, it felt, it seems like, certainly from what the uh, the briefing that we get and the sources from the police, that Kiram Rawi felt threatened at the time, or scared of the repercussion that her affair with Eric Abidal could have on her own safety. So she, she, she asked Diallo to find a guy who could get in touch with some of the people that Amrawi felt threatened by to try to basically tell them to, to let go and not threaten Amrawi anymore. It's, an, it's a like Hollywood movie in the making, I swear to God, this is incredible. Mm. All right, well. Um, is she better anyway? Is she back playing, training? She's training on her own, not yet with the team. Diallo is training on her own as well. Uh, and then it's the international break uh, in women's football now, so... There's no but PSG are still training, but there's no games coming up for at least another ten days, I think, something like this. And I, I believe she will go back to training slowly with the rest of the squad. Okay. Well, next up, let's get back to the football. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You're 
you're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is handy if Michael Carrick's mighty Manchester United don't get that last-minute equaliser away at Villarreal in the Champions League this week. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And please, 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 gamble responsibly. To Turkey for the Intercontinental Derby, which took place this weekend. Galatasaray against Fenerbahce. Incredible choreography, did you see? The Galatasaray fans? Yeah, yeah. It's a good game, amazing. The front man. Except they got the... eliminated. Exactly. Boom. They took the lead, but then, ooh, who's this Fenerbahce player racing 50 yards downfield to equalise? Can it be Mesut Ozil? Irfancan, attı çalımını Kerem'e. Irfancan savunma arkasına Mesut'a gönderdi. Mesut gidiyor, Mesut karşı karşıya ceza sahasında. Mesut ve gol! Mesut Ozil, it was told by his... His club owner last week to focus on his football rather than his commercial interests uh, with the, the first of the two goals on their way to a 2-1 win. Super stuff. Hey, speaking of derbies, Rafa, big one in the Bundesliga as well this weekend. Yeah, well, there was a lot going on in the Bundesliga. Um, right. In Berlin, Union really hammered Hertha 2-0, but they were so far better, so superior. And uh, Hertha fans not happy. Davy Selke coming over to the Hertha fans, offering his shirt as a peace offering almost, and had the shirt thrown back in his face. And they said peace offer to him. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> it was still, I mean, I would have taken it because he'd only been on for four minutes and I'm sure it really smelled <laughs> lovely and everything. But no, right. okay. they wouldn't have it. Was this the first time they've had this back in the Bundesliga um, with a crowd? This was the first time that the derby was played in a full house ah, since okay. uh, November 19. I went to that Union uh, Hertha derby, the first ever in the Bundesliga. It was an amazing experience. And uh, by all accounts, it was a great experience as well. Even though some people who went there, journalists, wrote that they were sort of in two minds because there was an amazing atmosphere, but at the same time, Parts of Germany are shutting down again, uh, lockdown, uh, cases are going through the roof, and it felt slightly sort of eerie uh, to be with, with so many people when mm. everywhere else things are, are unfortunately grinding to halt again. But yeah, an amazing, amazing game from Union um, and Hertha and Paldada in real trouble once again. Mm. Well, speaking of COVID protocols in the Bundesliga, Rafa, what's all this about Werder Bremen manager Marcus Anfang uh, getting booted out after? The club suspected that he was using a fake uh, COVID certificate. Yes, a crazy story, James. Um, he he resigned. He resigned, be- uh, citing the pressure, the intolerable pressure of the situation. But uh, Werder would have fired him if he hadn't done so. Him and his uh, assistant coach, um, Junge. The, the story goes back to August, really, when they had a case in Bremen. And him and his assistant coach both had to test because they hadn't been vaccinated. And the protocol at the time said, if you're not vaccinated, you have to keep, you know, you have to test. Otherwise, you have to go to quarantine. So the health authority, as far as they were concerned, listed them as unvaccinated. Then there was another case this month. And again, you know, the health authority phones everyone who's been in contact. And now we have a rule. If you haven't been vaccinated, you have to go into quarantine, which is exactly what's happened in Bayern, uh, of course. And this time, him and and Junge provided these uh, coronavirus vaccination certificates saying the first jab was in April and the second jab was in July. So somebody at the health authority thought, hold on a second, in August... This guy told us he wasn't vaccinated, but this says he was vaccinated already twice by July. Something's wrong. So they took a closer look at the document and found that one of the batch numbers didn't match. And also that the first vaccination actually coincided with him and Junge being in Austria, away with Bremen on training camp. So the whole thing is just allegedly, of course, allegedly at this point, uh, very, very stupidly done. And the police turned up, they confiscated the documents and uh, gave all the evidence to to Verda. And Verda, having initially stood by those two, then basically said, okay, um, you know, that's it. But they actually resigned of their own volition, not getting any compensation or whatever. Um, I mean, if this turns out badly for Anfang, then he could even face one year of prison uh, for faking official documents. Mm. Um, Crazy, crazy story. 
and really hard to understand what got into him and how he thought he might be able to get away with it, allegedly. Mm. Well, in the meantime, Rafa, as you mentioned, uh, this is becoming an increasingly key issue or hot topic at, at Bayern Munich with the, the players that they have out who haven't been vaccinated. Yes, James, and, and Bayern now have gone so far as actually threatening their players mm. with keeping back parts of their wages if they're in quarantine because they're not vaccinated. And this is not a theoretical case. Right now you have five Bayern players who are in quarantine because they haven't been vaccinated. By now their names have been uh, published, so I think it's it's okay to mention them. It's Serge Gnabry, it's uh, Eric-Maxim Choupo-Moting, it's uh, Joshua Kimmich, it's Jamal Musiala and Mika Cuisance. And they will all miss uh, Tuesday's trip to Dynamo Kiev. They will all miss uh, the next game. And you've got Bayern Dortmund coming up in 10 days' time. So this is beginning to really be a problem on the sporting sense. If you leave aside all the moral considerations about you know getting vaccinated or not vaccinated, so the club are starting to put real pressure on these players. And German labor law now allows you to hold back wages for somebody who can't work because he's not vaccinated as opposed to being infected which is of course no one's fault and um, the players are curious to see whether that will happen when the next paycheck comes in at the end of November if this is just maybe a threat trying to push them to take the vaccine and um, having done a big story or not so big story having done a story a column uh, for the athletic on this uh, I get the sense that at least a couple of these five maybe three are beginning to to change their mind, having had extensive talks with physicians and immunologists and teammates. So maybe we'll we'll find a happy resolution, uh, but not so happy resolution, alas, for Marcus Anfang, the mm. Werder Bremen coach. All right, next up, let's catch up with a whopping weekend in Italy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Con El Sharawi, El Sharawi, fermato però dalla difesa di Shevchenko, ci prova ancora, Felix, la doppietta del Ganese, la chiude lui. Big weekend in Italy, round 13 of the season, our live game Sunday night. Uh, James was uh, Genoa Roma, uh, for 82 minutes largely forgettable, then boom, what happened? I love the front page of Il Romanista, uh, the newspaper provided for Romanisti by Romanisti. Uh, and its headline today was, A Phenomenal! Which is <laughs> Felix Afena Jan, uh, the Ghanaian teenager who uh, Mu treats like a son and uh, has, has welcomed into his family and uh, gave him his debut against Calgary and kind of helped them come from behind and win against the, a team at the bottom of the league and then when they were nil-nil against Genoa, team in the relegation zone, brings on uh, Felix Avellajan and he scores not just once, right. he scores twice. And his second was a wonderful goal. So, so a great story where Mu afterwards said, uh, yeah, I promised that I would buy him a pair of sneakers worth uh, 800 euros uh, if he scored his first goal for Roma. So I guess I'm going to have to go out and buy him some. His rise has been meteoric. It's not long ago that he was essentially still playing in, in, in Ghana for a, an amateur side and then was flagged up to Roma by a, a kind of a, a footballer's agency there and has been training with uh, Daniele De Rossi's under-19s. Under but his, his impact on this game has been absolutely huge. As you say, the first goal was nice, a Mkhitaryan setting him up on, on the break and he, he took it very calmly. And then out of nowhere, that absolute rocket that he just rocks up and sends flying in amazing <laughs> yeah brilliant and then see him go and run over to the i think the gradinata sud where the the roma tra traveling ultras were and he was there just in front of the plexiglass and they're kind of trying to touch him as though he's some kind of encourages it was brilliant um but yeah as you mentioned i mean um there's a, a football agency that brings over a quite a few players from Ghana for trials uh, in Italy and usually puts them in smaller clubs with Italy um, in the meantime, amateur clubs. And he had a, he had a trial at Roma. Uh, it went uh, it went very well. 
and he's been in the under 19s under Alberto De Rossi rather right, than yeah. uh, Daniele. Of course. Um, and now Mourinho said, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, Alberto. Um, you will not be having him again in your squad because he's going to be uh, uh, much a part of my first team. And, and uh, you know, after the international fortnight, which, you know, Roma went into back to back defeats, they lost to Venezia, there's all this kind of, oh God, you know, it, it's all going wrong for Mourinho. Yeah, the, the, the sporting director was kind of wheeled out uh, in front of the press and he said, uh, if Mourinho wasn't committed to a long term project, he wouldn't be developing kids like Athena Jan. And, uh, and look, it's working. Clearly it's working because Athena Jan has come off the bench and scored twice. So uh, long term project Moo is very much on the move again. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, it moved uh, uh, Mourinho's Roma up to within three points of the uh, top four. At the very top of the table, the two leading teams, Milan and Napoli, both lost their unbeaten records. Milan uh, beaten 4-3 away at Fiorentina. And then Sunday afternoon, Napoli losing 3-2 at San Siro. Inter, who were the victorious side there, closing their gap uh, with the top two to just four points now. Quite a game for this one, James, 3-2. Yeah, I think um, yeah, both games involving the league leaders um, were really um, entertaining. Lots of goals in, in both of them, lots of mistakes. Um, but yeah, big game for, uh, for, for Inter. Um, one of their shortcomings, I suppose, under Inzaghi has been their inability to kind of get the results that Conte did against their, their main rivals uh, for, for the title. They drew with Juventus. Um, yeah, they drew in the, the Milan derby. Um, as well, and uh, to be the first team um, to to defeat Napoli, I think they were the were they the last undefeated team in Europe's top five leagues. After um, Milan got uh, got defeated on Saturday, yeah, yeah, and uh, and Chalinolu, uh again uh, scoring a, a penalty in front of uh, what well, <laughs> was in front of the Kudvasud, which is what he did um, in the in the Madonina. Obviously, there are no Milan ultras. Uh, this time around, I, I think we should go back to what happened the next day after the, the Milan derby. Where, so this was the Milan uh, derby, and he scores in front of the the supporters of his former club, and yeah. then does, gives it the big celebration. And they replied the next day. They replied the next day by um, putting a banner outside of his flat, um, <laughs> um, and uh, casting aspersions on his personal life, mm. um, which was uh, that was that was pretty pretty epic. From uh, from the Milan, it's a massive banner. It's across a bridge, no? Across a bridge, uh, yeah. But the thing is, I think he'd already fl- flown off on the international break. I mean, maybe maybe he he was still there, but uh, he did post a kind of funny photo the next day of him on a leg press machine in the gym where Turkey were training, just like thumbs up. <laughs> but you got to, you know, I mean, keeps uh, keeps putting away these penalties for them, and Lautaro as well. You know, Lautaro who's signed a new deal but had not scored in nine games for club and country, um, you know, coming up with the kind of killer third goal because, um, you know, that put them 3-1 up. Napoli um, looked to get back into the game. Merton scored an absolute screamer, could have scored a hat-trick and maybe with his misses, that's why, you know, they ended up not getting any points at all. But the big mm. blow for Napoli, right, and literally a big blow, was the one that uh, Victor Osimhen suffered, their, their star striker who went up for a, uh, to challenge uh, Milan Skriniar in the air and ended up having his eye socket and his his um, his jaw broken, oh, cheekbones it? broken, yeah, oh, cheekbone yeah. broken, multiple facial um, fractures. He's out for a, what a couple of months. Yeah, it looks like. I mean, he wants to be playing in the African Cup of Nations, but that's a really nasty injury and. Um, as was the case last year when they lost him in November to a dislocated shoulder. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the prospect of being without him for considerable time, you know, will maybe not lead us to revise our kind of, wow, look, Napoli are a title contender, but they're going to have to find other solutions. Luckily, as we saw, Mertens is, is still very much got it. Well, for now, they and Milan have that four-point lead over Inter. Inter, meanwhile, who have a, a big game in midweek. We, we didn't mention this earlier in the Champions League. A bit, but they're going to be at home to Shakhtar, a, a clash that will end nil-nil because they always do. It's the fourth time they've met in the Champions League in just over twelve months. The three previous all uh, remained goalless. Uh, the other game in that group, by the way, which s- sits with Real Madrid on top, two points clear of Inter in second. Sheriff, you know, out of Transnistria, are in third, only a point behind Inter, so it's still pretty open that group. With Shakhtar Donetsk already out the running in last place, but Sheriff, who beat Real Madrid 
at the Bernabeu, you'll recall, the first game back there after it was a renovated, uh, are going to be hosting the Madrileños. And that's a that's a massive game, Alvaro. It is uh, big for Sheriff, obviously, and important for Real Madrid as well, because uh, if Real Madrid wins, they, they are through. And uh, I believe that if Sheriff uh, wins, uh, mm-hmm. they will go through if uh, Inter loses to Shakhtar, which is not impossible. It's actually more difficult that Sheriff, Sheriff beats Real Madrid again. But it was unbelievable what happened at Santiago Bernabeu. But this Real Madrid is a different Real Madrid. It's got a little bit more of composure than at the beginning of the season. And uh, at the minute, they are kind of flying. I mean, they are capable of uh, inflicting heavy defeats every now and then which is something that Atletico, Sevilla, Barcelona, as I said before, struggle to do. Real mm. Madrid can do that, and uh, this is the moment for them to, to get a win against Sheriff and to put it to bed and to think about the, about La Liga because they will be qualified in the Champions League with one game to go. OK. They've won seven of their last eight in all competitions, have uh, Real Madrid. They, are, they were 4-1 winners in Granada on Saturday, going top of the uh, Spanish table. That was after Real Sociedad and Sevilla both dropped points at home. But it is tight. Excellent. All right. Well, lots more fun and games to be had next week and, of course, midweek. And on Tuesday, we'll be here with reaction to all the latest developments continentally. For now, it's many, many thanks to Alvaro, Jules, James and Rafa. And you, listener, have yourself a great week. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.